well, kids. I am back. Just uh, deal with a lot of stress, and so whenever I have a lot of stress, I don't record. And really, that's the best time really to read the Bible is when you're dealing with stress and shit junk in my life. Um, it's Thursday, and it's like a little bit after two, so I realized I gotta go. I gotta start doing pickups. So I'm gonna do that. Um, I'm almost not to drive so much because gas prices are so high and because the entrepreneur did not get out in time we couldn't ride bikes or I just have her ride bikes home so so that's an issue I don't know if I should take the minivan or not anyways these are the things that go through my head when I'm leaving the office um How you kids are doing right now? I wonder where you are as you're listening to this. I wonder if you'll you'll be the only ones to listen to this, or maybe your children might, and they'll be able to hear my voice. To do a hello, I'm your grandfather. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't know if I should apologize or not. I don't really think I'm gonna live to be 80 or 90. My rock and roll lifestyle. But you never know. You never know. Um, I right, let's see. What updates can I give? It's May. School year's almost over. I've been subbing a lot more at your school. That's been fun. You guys are fun. Especially the king. He absolutely loves it when I'm in, in at his school. He will run up to me and hug me. And... and uh, I don't know if it's just awkwardness or he doesn't really understand social cues. I don't know, but it's cute. It's cute. Hang on, so I'm gonna put you guys on pause for a second. Come on, I'm new screen on my phone. It's like acting weird. Okay, resuming. So, so I'm being bad. I'm actually getting some fast food. We're trying to not spend any money on this kind of stuff, but I'm starving and. I'm trying to justify it because I didn't have breakfast. Um, it's not a good justification. I think fast food once a week is okay. I think it's okay. Although I hate the fact that we have paper straws. Kids, back in my day, we had plastic straws because I guess we hated the environment. What's funny is our city went to paper straws and actually so did San Francisco. They went to paper straws too. Yet, they give out tens of thousands of clean syringes to people so they don't um, contract diseases by sharing needles. So, hi. So you tell me what makes sense. I understand progressiveness. It's, I think it's important to be up on the times and helping people but I don't understand the cost. You're still putting plastic in the environment. It's just now filtered with blood, amphetamine, heroin, what else? Crack. So I just don't understand the paper straw thing. I don't, it makes me angry. There's some, some cities, they don't have this ordinance. And so they, um, I, whenever I go to those fast food places, which is like so rare now, I will grab a handful of straws. Then people, and the people working there will laugh, like, oh, you live in this city? He's like, yes, I live in this city. And they're like, take as many as you want. So that always makes me laugh. So one guy actually said that to me. I've been craving a hot dog lately, which uh, this is something I did not order just now, but I've, I've really been craving a hot dog. It's 2.20. I would love to like read like 30 minutes for you guys. Just read like a lot. Get, I'd love to get 2 Samuel done. There's so many great stories in 1st and 2nd Kings. How many stories I have to do with actually the naming of you kids. But this is a marathon, not a race. Still need your mom to, to write, uh, to uh, read through Ruth for you guys. No, thank you. Thank you very much.
kids, whatever you do, whatever you do, really, you know, it's very important is how you talk to people in the service industry and how you treat them. My father was not great with people in the service industry. Maybe there's an expectation he had. It was definitely unwarranted. My mom, too. We, we tend to beatify people who have died. Um, I'm not going to do that. Actually, the person that taught me that was your mom. It's, she, she said some negative things about someone that died in her family Like when we started dating. I was like, you can't say that. She's like, why? It's the truth. No. Truth is truth. I call it Speaking for the Dead. There's this amazing book series by a man named Orson Scott Card. It's called The Ender Quadrilogy. It's about, it's a messianic sci-fi series, young adult, upper middle grade reader book. The book is fantastic. The series is phenomenal. Uh, it's one of my favorite book series. In fact, I may have read it to you guys. Ender plays a kid in the post-apocalyptic, not apocalyptic, but post like war with aliens the future. They're trying to find the next kid to to become the next huge general that will thwart off the next alien invasion. And so anyways, the sequel to it is about the kid when he's older and he goes around the galaxy giving eulogies to people who are some are important, some very not important at all, like quote-unquote important, like, you know, politically or with power or rich or poor. And what he does, and it's a very beautiful thing, it's a very beautiful thing, he learns their entire life story. See, now it's, we have the social, social contract, a contract to only say good things about people when they die. You know the phrase, don't speak bad of the dead. Well, and this is the book called um, Speaker for the Dead. He gets some alert from some girl light years away, and he makes his trip to there. By the time he's there, uh, the girl's all grown up, like kind of around his age, and, and he learns this guy, the, her father's life story, her father who died, and he gives this eulogy at the end, which talks about all the things he did very badly all his flaws, and also talks about his beautiful life as a whole. And it's just very amazing, just this great, true understanding of this person's life. He doesn't hide the bad stuff. He doesn't just glorify the good stuff. But in the end, you have a better understanding of who this man was, why this man acted the way he did, not excusing anything, and then seeing why he was like that that so anyways going on a tangent it is it's 222 i'm gonna pause this for now because i'd like to eat and maybe listen to something and then we'll get into second samuel maybe after this poor entrepreneur hurt her head today hit her head today in class and she's been asking for like a big mac she really wants a big mac so i really want to get that for her today we'll see what what your mom says and i don't want to spend anything without your mom knowing about it. Also, I worry that I'm keep pigeonholing myself as like the fun parent. I want her to be the, I want your mom to be the fun parent too. The other day, your, um, the entrepreneur actually said, I wish it was just dad that was putting us to bed. And it really hurt your mom really badly. And so I flashed and I said, okay, go to bed. Like it was like way too early to go to bed, but I made you guys lay in bed with the lights off and your heads on your pillow. And some of the kids were not happy with that. But I was like, hey, you know, you asked for it. You asked for me to do it. And now, you know, maybe think twice before you say something like that. Hurt me to do that, too. All right. About to park. I'm going to eat. And then I will, um... i got to put gas in this car. I don't know how to do that. So, uh, I'll, uh... I'll record when I come back. Anyways. Love you. Be right back. Well, I'm back. Sorry, it's actually been a few days. I turned uh, the phone off, then I realized I, I had so many things I had to do, and I didn't get back to recording. A few days go by. It's now Saturday morning, before 6 a.m. 
couldn't sleep. I've been up since 3.30. We, uh, we're all fired. Updated you. We are now sleeping in the master bedroom of our house. It's, it's very weird. Okay, it's very weird because our entire married life we were in that middle room. And, uh, anyways, I, I think I did mention this. Sorry for being repeating myself. That's what happens when you aren't as committed to recording. So, so, excuse me, as I, I should have read ahead, uh, there's only two more chapters left of 2 Samuel. And chapter 23 and 24 details King David's last words to Israel. He's still going to speak a lot more. He wrote Psalms, or most of Psalms, and he, uh, he, he has things he said in First Kings, first part of First Kings. But, but today we're talking about King David's last words, and uh, last words can be very profound. They're very profound at all. Um, I'm just gonna blow my nose real quick. Just excuse me. Sorry, guys. Terrible. <laughs> um. Recently, I hang out. I mean, not recently, but you know, for so long, I've been hanging out with your mom and her siblings, and they're amazing. They're great. Your aunt and uncle, really, really good people. It's been an honor to watch them grow up. I mean, I've known them since they were children, because I started dating your mom when I was a child, and they're younger. And when we hang out with them, of course, the, the usual topic, if we're not talking about kids, is, you know, talking about their parents, because, you know, they have a common bond, common history, common trauma, and all, all children share, all siblings will share common traumas with their parents. I'm sure, even up to this point, you guys have a ton of trauma just from me alone, let alone your mom. So that's, I'm sorry for that. But, just, it's kind of grating sometimes because both their parents are still alive and mine are gone. And last words, I was there for both my parents' last words. And it's hard to really describe the moment when my mom was dying. I knew I wanted to be there. I knew I did not want someone to say, hey, she died. I wanted me to be there for my mom. And I was. And my dad... He's a great guy, and I, you know, I wish you guys had more memories of him. And there are reasons why we didn't visit as much. And reasons that I'm not regretful of, by the way. And uh, I didn't know if I'd be there for when my dad died. I really didn't, but I was. So maybe I'll talk to you guys about my parents' last words, and then we'll. Sorry, this is like the bumpiest road in this city I'm on. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's loud. Maybe, you know, I'll talk about their last words. And their last moments. Maybe we could devote that to this podcast. And then we can hear about King David's last words. And then we'll end Second Samuel. Had I known only two more chapters left of 2 Samuel, I would have just kept reading when I read for the last episode, twenty, you know, chapters 21 through 22. But that's fine. There's a reason for everything. So my mom had cancer for two years, and she, uh, she had a tumor taken out of her brain in April of 
1998, and then another one almost to the day, a year later, in 1999. So the, the cancer was coming back. So, no joke, April 27th, the year 2000, she died. And I'm not going to catalog everything that happened that morning. Not because I can't. I just, I'm not going to. Right? We've been cursed with a near photographic memory. I'm, I will say that your aunt, my youngest sister, called me up. I was tutoring at the junior college. I, I tutored college-level English and college-level statistics. And if you knew my academic history in high school, you would have thought that was hilarious. But I was an overachiever in college. So I'm tutoring, and my, my sister called me and said, you have to come home. She's really not doing well. She's not breathing right. So I, I stopped my tutoring session midway through and said, I've got to go home. And I got home, and she just wasn't doing well. And the thing about someone when someone's dying of cancer is every day they just get microscopically worse and microscopically worse and that was that today was that day I mean that you know so I'm there and she's not doing well and I'm not gonna say what happened so much but she my dad was praying he said lord please let this end because she was suffering and she turned to my dad and said help me and then she went and she died it's hard to wrap my mind around that phrase because we couldn't we couldn't help her. We just couldn't. It was a phrase she would repeat a lot. The phrase helped me. You know, the, the last couple of years of her life. It was just, you know, help me with this. Help her adjust her pillow. Make her food. Help me, you know, help me get up. Help me, help me. You know, that's what I heard. And a lot. You know, it wasn't like... Um, so that was her last words. And uh, it haunts me to this day. I think about it a lot. My dad and I, our relationship, you know, a teen, a relationship with a, a, a boy with his dad is different than a mom and her son. And my dad was a very good dad, and we had a ton of memories together. He was very territorial of me, so we hung, we hung out a lot, a lot more than I did with my mom. It was a different relationship, father-son relationship. It's just different. And typically, I've noticed that the father-son relationship changes around the college years. They end up becoming closer or going further away, and that's when you know the boy slowly progresses into becoming a man, and that man hopefully becomes friendly or friends with the dad. Still, with the father-son relationship, it's not like you're you're a peer. You never will be, but at least there's a friendliness and like a, a father-son friendship, a close friendship. Well. We never got to experience that because my mom died in April. A few days later, I got my letter of acceptance to my dream college. And then I moved away there, my dream college, for, um, and I, ne I never moved back home. Ugh, never moved back home. And so the years when I think we could have become really close, I went on with my life to start one, really. And then he, I think less than a year later, not, not I think, I know, less than a year later, my dad got remarried, which, by the way, I was a thousand percent 
okay with, com- completely okay with, but we never got to concentrate or even kind of foster a friendship because we both kind of like tried to move on with our lives. And I don't regret that, neither does he. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't. And so, there, that closeness, that bond kind of stagnated. And a few years ago, when you kids were much younger, he called me up and said some things to me about how I was raising you guys. And I chalked it up to my dad wanting to be relevant. I, don't, I didn't chalk it up to my, my dad wanting to be hurtful said some things about how you guys were behaving and I didn't like that because he really didn't see you guys a lot because they're the only time we could see them was if we drove up to see them so I, I didn't like the way he handled it I my dad was never diplomatic but he was also never subtle he you always knew where you stood with him and he and he loved us all unconditionally but I I just didn't like the way he talked about you guys while you guys were behaving at a party and so I I just stopped contact with my dad and we never really recovered from that and we had a meeting at his house I drove up to talk to him about it and, and so we it we went from visiting him once every month or two to like just once a year. And that's hard. That's really hard on me because he's my only parent left. So I'm just driving up to a Pete's uh, drive through coffee place. I'm going to get some coffee and I'll park somewhere and read these last two chapters. So that's where you know where I'm going with this. But So the last two or three years of his life, I probably visited him once or twice. Maybe maybe three times. I didn't show up to his last birthday party. And I don't think he wanted us wearing masks or something. And I was afraid if we didn't wear masks, you guys might get COVID and then we'd have to keep you out of school for a month. So I I made the decision, let's not go. We'll send a card or something. So anyways... the day my dad died, and I, I knew he was going to die, you know, when older people, I mean, he's, he was in his mid-70s, when, when older people are in and out of the hospital for months, which my dad was, you know that it's just, you, they're not going to recover, okay, there's a trajectory, and he was on that trajectory, and, but finally one day, like, I think I, Lind, uh, I say his, Nana called, that's what we call his wife, who's an angel sent from God. She called, and I think I talked to her, or I talked to my oldest sister, and said he's just not good, and so I thought, I'm just going to go down there. And so I drove to the hospital, it's two, hour, two hours away, I, I canceled all my appointments, and I, I, uh, my sister, who was with me when my mom died, I called her up, and she was she's living in Southern California. I said, "Hey, you've got." I, I just told her, I, "I've got a feeling you you have got to you've got to come down or, or fly up immediately, cancel everything." And so, thank God she did. And I get there, and and I'll save it for another time. What I all the interactions I had with my father, but. The last thing I remember him saying to me, and he repeated it over and over again, was, uh, good boy. Good boy. He said it a few times. I don't know why I'm sharing all this with you guys right now. I hope when I'm my last words are profound. Hopefully you're in your, like, your 60s when this happens, but you never know. But hopefully it's not going to be for a long time. I'll try and take care of my body. My dad was addicted to food, 
that's what ultimately killed him. And my mom was addicted to smoking, and that's certainly what killed her. So, just pulling into Pete's. I'm gonna pause it, and then we could, uh, uh, and we'll read the last two chapters of Second Samuel. I'm excited to get into Kings. By the way, Kings is gonna be uh, good. Kings is one of my, uh, the whole thing is one of my favorites, but Kings, the next chap, the next chap, the next book is very historical. It was written when Israel was in exile in Babylon. Some people say it was written by Jeremiah, but it was not. It was most likely written by an exile when they were living in uh, Babylon. Let's see, did I take my order here? Here. Just please put on masks because I put, I don't have a mask. What the heck? Oh, gosh. What am I gonna get? Hang on one second. Yeah, could I get a large uh, white chocolate mocha? Pot or ice? Pot. A large chocolate mocha and any with cream on that, please? Um, no, thank you. Okay. Anything else you said? No, thank you. I can't sit on the front. Have a nice day. It is 6 a.m. and 55 degrees out. Why on earth would anyone get a cold coffee drink? I don't know. Well, it's a legitimate question. Ah, kids. I guess I could read right now I'm in line uh, for coffee oh and now it's moving of course you know regardless of my last words to you guys I I remember my parents last words but I also remember how they lived and how they loved me that's the important part so David has some last words for Israel but you got to realize, David, the way he lived, he really was after a man after God's heart. He really was. And he fouled up a lot. And the Bible chronicles it. They don't just portray him as this perfect leader. He was extraordinarily flawed. And so, so are your parents. But I want you, I really want you guys to know that, you know, when you remember me, when you guys are listening to this, or... How much I loved you guys. It's gonna be really awkward for you guys to listen to this like in college, and I'm, I'm gonna live probably another 40 years after. <laughs> uh, <coughs> Starting to rethink when I'm gonna reveal this to you guys. Maybe I'll put it in my estate plan. You guys can discover it after I'm gone. No, my feet are cold. So to get out of the house without waking your mother up, I left out of the back door because it's much quieter, and I walked barefoot because I was going to open up the closet door in the downstairs closet. But it was closed all the way, and if you open it, it cra- makes a really loud cracking noise, as if like a board is breaking. And it's it's done that ever since we repainted so many years ago. Still does that. So I didn't open that, so I'm barefoot. I should put, like, a little heater on. My heater does work. <sighs> there we go. Sorry about that ambient noise. Tell you what I did yesterday. The the king, child number three, he wants to join Cub Scouts, so we went to a Cub Scout store, which is, like, 20 miles away, but it took me an hour and 20 minutes to get there. And we bought some Cub Scout uniforms for them, and we're going to do a camp out. I'm really excited. I'm really excited about that. Get to have some one-on-one time with him. Because I just feel better. I've had a one-on-one time with... Oh, hang on. Got to pay. One-on-one time with the namesake, because I'm coaching him in soccer, but not, not the king. So it should be fun. 
don't have a mask and I feel bad. I'm just waiting for them to, to come to the thing. Sorry, give me a second, guys. These people are working so hard. I feel so bad for them. There's only like two people here to service all these drive through customers. Work in the service industry, children. Do it for at least a year. Learn your people skills now. I don't think people should be allowed to vote unless they worked in like the retail service industry. If I ever become president, which probably a zero percent chance of that, I would make that the, the rule of law. Pull the window down, nobody's coming. Oh. Sorry. The least entertaining podcast in the world. Well, I've been talking 20 minutes. What about that? Hello. Hi, how you doing? Five out five is your total? There you go. Oh, sorry, not five out five. Sorry, six twenty for the large five out. Sounds good. There you go. All right. Oh, thank you. Oh my gosh. Hey, you too. All right. I'm not really a. Pete's coffee drinker, but I've been using this app on my phone where I fill out surveys and they give me points that I convert into money. So I use that for coffee. <sighs> so yeah, so uh, he's doing scouts and I'm, I'm so excited to like have a one-on-one -on -one time with him because he needs it so badly and it just, if you have more than one child, children, as parents, you are going to be constantly struggling with the question on your heart, which is, am I favoring one child over the other? That's something that haunts me more than anything else, more than my parents' last words, more, more than anything is, am I showing favoritism? And we see how favoritism affects families in the Bible. It, it's the reason there's so much division in the Bible. You could trace all this division back uh, to Abraham. Even before that, Cain and Abel. But, I mean, there are reasons for that. So I'm just looking for a place to park. Gonna, maybe I'll park in my parking lot in my office. Read this. We have a soccer game today at, in a few hours. And after that, we're going to go home and maybe clean, hang out. We're going to also uh, see a stand-up comedian tonight, me and your mom and your aunt and her uh, boyfriend. We're going to go see a stand-up comedian who I really like. I'm very excited. The tickets were very expensive, and they're very close. So it's going to be a while before I do that again. We saw a stand-up comedian with your uncle a couple weeks ago. It was one of the best stand-up comedians I'd, I'd ever seen in person, like the funniest like literally just the funniest you guys you guys may not know this about me but uh i'll reveal this i did stand-up comedy for a couple years in san francisco and i wasn't really that committed to it i really wasn't and wasn't that successful anyways the only people i really made laugh very hard were, was like the mc and like the other people trying to be comedians the audience didn't really appreciate my type of humor, which is fine. I, it, it's hard to uh, it's hard to make people laugh. Okay, I'm gonna try this white chocolate mocha. This is a drink I would get at a place at Berkeley where I went to school called Cafe Strada, the white chocolate mocha, probably because it's it's very sweet. I'm drinking coffee because your mom had onions last night. That's the trade-off. Your mom doesn't like 
the smell of coffee on someone's breath. I don't like the smell of onions on her breath. And so she had onions last night because we were celebrating your grandpa's 68th birthday. Uh, and he came over, your grandpa's just a sweet man, he came over to our house, like he does every Friday, your aunt was over there with your cousin, who's just adorable, and we played dominoes, and ate wiener schnitzel, it, it was a great time, and <laughs> what was funny is, the namesake knows, you know how to play dominoes, you were, you were like, telling me, no, 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 don't put that domino there, you, you, we scored like 30 points just because you stopped me from putting a domino down, it was really funny. I ended up letting you have the big chair, and I, like, sat in the little kid's chair, which your mom and your grandpa were, like, laughing so hard at, and we were living old times, and for, for, uh, many years, many, many years, your mom and her two siblings, when they were little kids, they would go to a place called Hollister, and, uh, in a, um, motorhome, your, your grandparents owned a motorhome, and they would drive to Hollister for, uh, Native American powwow thing, where they, they they had a powwow, and they sold items at the powwow, and, and during that whole Memorial Day weekend, your grandpa, and your great-uncles, and your great-grandpa, on your, on your, on your mom's, mom's side, they would play dominoes the entire weekend, the, I mean, from dusk, from, from dawn till dusk, they would just play dominoes like crazy, and they drink, and they just have a ball, and the kids would run around and play. And towards, they stopped doing the powwow many years ago. But I, I went a few times when we were dating. We would, you know, I would go with them in the motorhome. And so last night was great. It, it was really fun. Your mom always gets mad at me when the family, whenever we have a big get together, and it's mostly her family. I, I hang out, but. I, I take breaks. I like go up to my room and just try and just be quiet. I really enjoy quiet. It's a very sweet coffee. Very good. Hmm. It's a good thing that drive-thru is on the other side of the city we live on. I apologize. This whole thing has just been me talking and not doing a lot. I miss reading the Bible to you guys. I really do. You, uh, it takes a while to, to get a habit, to make a habit. I think like three weeks of doing the same thing every day. Some people say it takes 66 days, and I, I think it's three weeks. And you, when you read the Bible, when you religiously read the Bible, you need to read it the next day, or an hour later, or before you go to bed. You just, you need to it, it needs to happen. It, it becomes a need. And it should always be a need. God's word. Like all the mysteries of life in this, in this compilation of books. I was listening to a man named Jordan Peterson who was talking about how amazing it is that in humans culture, the the three main faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, they've all, they could have identified with countries, with people, with, I mean, like human figures, and, but the thing they identify with, and I went too far, I'm just listening to myself talk, yeah, the thing they identify with, with the core of their core beliefs, is this book. Certain versions of it. The foundations of it. But he, he found that very um, interesting. And of course, our foundation is in Christ. Who is not just a person, but God. So, I mean, his analogy kind of breaks down a little bit. I don't believe, I don't think he's a believer. But now I'm turning. This, you know, I've listened, re-listened to this podcast, and that turn signal comes across so loud. So loud. I hope when I get home, your mom 
is not awake. I hope she's sleeping. That would be really nice. That would be nice. She needs sleep. She needs a lot more sleep than I do. When she doesn't get a lot of sleep, she ends up reminding me all day that she did not get a lot of sleep. And I've been up since about 3.30. I'm not going to remind her that I need sleep or that I have been up since whatever time. The king and the namesake were in our bed this morning. Oh, tiring. Good day yesterday, though. Very good day. Very blessed. Okay, now I'm pulling into my parking lot. further ado, 2 Samuel 23. Now these were the last words of David. The oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of God, of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. The God of Israel has spoken. The rock of Israel has said to me, when one rules justly over men, ruling in the fear of God, he dawns on them like the morning light, like the sun shining forth on a cloudless morning, like rain that makes grass to sprout from the earth. For does not my house stand so with God? For he has made with me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For will he not cause to prosper all my help and my desire? But worthless men are like thorns that are thrown away, for they cannot be taken with the hand. But the man who touches them arms himself with iron and the shaft of a spear, and they are utterly consumed with fire. There's someone coming out of my office right now. Is this the... What's the... What is going on? I'm going to pause it. Yeah, someone coming out of my office. It's not going to stop me. All right. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Josheb, Bashabeth, <coughs> and uh, Tekemanite. He was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. That is amazing. I'm going to be doing a lot of um, <laughs> editorializing here because I love David's mighty men. I, the, the stories of them are Legend. And next to him among the three mighty men was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, son of Ahoy. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle, and the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the men returned after him only to strip the slain. And next to him was Shema, the son of Agi, the Herorite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot and defended it, and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. And three of the thirty chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Raphaim. David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines. Uh, was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem, that is, by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem, uh, that was by the gate, and carried and brought it to David. But he would not drink of it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three mighty men did. Why are there not movies about these three? Now, 
Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief of the, of the thirty. And he wielded his spear against three hundred men and killed them and won a name beside the three. He was the most renowned of the thirty and became their commander, but he did not attain to, to the three. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of... Okay, I'm just going to say it. Those of you that are not my children... We named one of our children, we gave one of our children's middle names this name, Benaiah. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of, of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two aerials of Moab. He went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a handsome man. The Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and won a name beside the three mighty men. He was renowned among the thirty, but he did not attain to the three, and David set him over his bodyguard. Asahel, the brother of Joab, was one of the thirty. Elhanan, the son of Dodo of Bethlehem. Shema of Herod. Elika of, Jer of Herod. Helez, the Paltite. Ira, the son of Ikesh of Tekoa. Abiazar, and... Anathoth, Mabudnai, the Hushanthite, Zalman, the Alhite, of Netophah, I'm getting all these names so badly, Helab, the son of Benah, of Netophah, Ittai, the son of Rabbi, of Gibeah, and the people of Benjamin, Benaiah of Perathon, Hedai, of the brooks of Gash, Abba Alban, the Arbathite, Asmaveth, Asmaveth of Bahurim, Eliaba, the Shalbanite, the sons of Jashan, Jonathan, Shema, the Hararite, Ahim, the son of Sharar, the Hararite, Eliphalet, the son of Ahab, Ahazbai, of Makkah, Eliam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gilanite, Hezro, of Carmel, Parai, the Arbite, Igal, the son of Nathan, of Zobah, Bani, the Gadite, Zilic, the Ammonite, Naharai of Biroth, the armor bearer of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, Ira the Ithrite, Garab the Ithrite, Uriah, and Uriah the Hittite. 37 in all. Uriah, that was the one who, who was Bathsheba's husband. Yeah. Shame. Chapter 24. Again the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Go through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and number the people, that I may know the number of my people. But Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see it. But why does my lord the king delight in the thing, this thing? But the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began from Aror and from the city that is the middle of the valley toward Gad on the Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and Kadesh in the land of the Hittites. And they came to Dan. From Dan they went around to Sidon and came to the fortress of Tyre. And to all the cities of the Hivites, Canaanites, and they went out to the Negeb of Judah and Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to the king. In Israel there were eight hundred thousand valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were five hundred thousand. Uh, but David's heart. Uh, struck him after he had number of the, the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done, but now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you. Choose one of them, that I may give, do it to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land, or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days of pestilence in your land? 
Now consider and decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time. And there died of the people from Dan of Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel, who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by uh, the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. And Gad uh, came that day to David and said to him, Go raise up an altar to the Lord of the threshing floor of uh, Aruna the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, as the Lord commanded, and when Aruna looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Aruna went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Aruna said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Aruna said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering, and the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Aruna gives. All this, O king, Aruna gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aruna, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. And David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land, and the plague was averted from Israel. It's important for you guys to know um, that only God can order a census, not David. So in ordering a census, a census David was essentially acting as if he is God. And so that, that, that's come up before. That's come up before. I think David's done that before and God was mad at him about that so so David should learn better <clears throat> I don't know why they mention the mighty men at the end of this one they, they talk about them more I think in uh, I think in Chronicles actually no they talk about him in 1st Kings because when 1st Kings talk about the mighty men um, when uh, after David dies Benaiah ends up becoming Solomon's chief bodyguard and he ends up killing everyone that's opposed to Solomon being king ah, such a sweet cup of coffee although six dollars for a cup of coffee it's kind of expensive so I'm heading home I love you all. <clears throat> Hope you have an amazing day, whatever you're doing today. Give your mom a call if you can. Tell her that you love her. Forgive her. I'm sure she did something to upset you. Get over it, by the way. She's human. Your mom is human, and so am I. If you're feeling merciful, also forgive me. I'm sure I did something dumb. Sorry about that. You know I love you more than anything. I hope you guys are going to church. I would strongly advise you to find a church close to you. Because faith without... Having some relation with God without going to church and meeting and talking about Jesus... Your, your faith will crumble and your walk with the Lord will be non-existent and I'm more guilty of that than you'll ever know not you know, not having habitually going to church and hanging out with friends and talking about God luckily we're doing a Bible study now once a week and with a group of people that we that live in our town so hopefully that, that continues so yeah go to church call your mom pray for your relationships Pray for your parents, too. 
we're humans, very fallible, and in everything you do, do it for the kingdom and the king. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope of no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty my orphan heart was given a name My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began Oh, your grace so free washes over Chains. I'm a prisoner no more My shame was a ransom he faithfully bore He canceled my debt and he called me But then 